0: Welcome to episode 30 of the Web Joy podcast. I'm your host, Eddie, and in this podcast, we interview guests about their origin story and what makes them excited and joyful to be part of the tech community. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, Make Debugging More Fun, with Oliver D'Albuquerque. Welcome back to another episode of WebJoy. I'm excited to have Oliver today with us. Oliver, say hi to the community and uh, let them know who you are, what you do, where you work. Brief intro.
1: Hey everyone, this is Ollie, or Oliver, D. Albuquerque. I'm the go-to-market lead at Replay, which is a dev tool startup. We're about a couple of years old. I came from Google, was my last company, was there for six years, held a bunch of different roles. And Various kinds of product partnerships, product partnerships, content partnerships, channel partnerships, and most recently spent a couple of years at Chrome. And before that, I was at a company called GLG from the UK, from Oxford originally, but I live in the Outer Richmond in San Francisco.
0: Nice. Well, so how did you find your way into tech, right? Did you just always know this is what you wanted to do? Or did you take a little bit of a windy journey? Kind of give us a brief overview of what that looked like for you.
1: Yeah, definitely not. I graduated in two thousand eleven, so I'm thirty three. There was, I think, Google was and, and companies like it were kind of at a really exciting inflection point. So I sort of always knew that that would be a really good place to land. Not Google the company, but Silicon Valley would be a good place to land. Just in trying to pay rent and build a career, and but I sort of took took a whiny road. I used to do like stand-up comedy and did, I used to like work at a radio station and so I kind of like did a bunch of odd jobs, I worked a lot when I was in college, I had like three different jobs, I I had jobs helping like physically and mentally challenged adults and waited tables, so I kind of always worked a lot and I had that built in, um, which helped and then I started this company called GLG, was my kind of first proper job that they moved me to Austin, Texas, That was fun. I mean, it's, I don't know if you know what the company does. they are sort of this, it's a network of experts, like subject matter experts that they kind of bring into their platform that sign confidentiality agreements and are sort of readily available to consult. So they consult on demand for GLG's customers, who are mainly like institutional investors, Wall Street people, increasingly were kind of like a lot of strategy consultants, like Bain, McKinsey, BCG, like those types of companies would use it heavily. And then when I started, we were just launching a business for companies, like businesses to use GLG. And it's sort of a fun, it was like a mini MBA in that, okay, you have this ability to talk to any expert on any topic that is difficult to get access to, in a like a written report or in, on the internet, like, what would you talk about? And what kinds of companies, what would they want to learn? So, you know, I would go to DuPont's offices in, in Delaware and talk to their market intelligence teams and R&D teams that would say, oh, we make a coding that works really well on airplane seats, but we want to sell it into car seats. We want to talk to experts who know about how to, like, how to enter that new market. And so it was fun. Like, I talked to life sciences companies. I met with chemicals companies, and then they eventually moved me to San Francisco to start their tech practice. And the thing that was fun about that was just the early business building. We had zero dollars in revenue. We had, you know, maybe almost one customer. And the fun of that was turning it into a real business and figuring out how to make it a real business. And I kind of just got bit by the tech bug there in moving to San Francisco and being in Atlassian's offices when they were like less than 100 people, being in Twilio's offices when they were 40 people. I want to go work at one of these companies and ended up getting an offer at Google and joined there and knew I wasn't going to stay long, but knew it was kind of a good place to try a few things and find maybe what might be some more areas of interest. I always thought I wanted to work at YouTube, but then, um, yeah, I ended up kind of like stumbling into developer world and developer ecosystems and and just kind of loved that. I love the engineer mind. I love the sort of community-based problem solving. Like there was just all these attributes about it and about open source projects that I found really, exciting and interesting so that was kind of where i ended up gravitating towards but of course i'm not an engineer learning to be one now but yeah that's kind of how i found my
0: way i guess how did you get into go to market stuff is that what you were going to school for or kind of how did did that shift happen and which job did you start working on sales marketing go to market that kind of area sure
1: No, I didn't go to school for it. I studied economics. I was a pre-med major for for the first two and a half years. And then I just switched kind of last minute thinking, I want to get done with school sooner. And I have a lot of school loans and I want to start earning money. And so I I took the shortcut and um, stopped doing, going the, the medicine route. No, I didn't learn anything about the types of jobs I would do in school. But I learned it getting a few cutting my teeth on a few internships. I had an internship for this kind of emergency backup power, like a construction company that sold generators where I was doing sales and some marketing. And so we were finding like data centers that were needing to outfit their data centers with an emergency backup power system. And I was trying to find company like What sorts of companies were at the right stage in terms of outfitting their data center where they would need like a full construction team to come in, put the things in and do, you know, and those things cost millions of dollars. And so I was, that was my first, I guess, real job. It was my first college internship. So I knew I could do that. I knew I could have a conversation with someone who I didn't know very well and make it easy enough that they would actually might consider doing business with whoever I was representing. So that was my first job, was sales. And did well. I did well at GLG. That was ended up being my first job. And then kind of, I think, just building an intuition for how companies work, how people think about what business needs look like, and how do you actually walk people into a process that the rest of the kind of stuff like marketing and stuff like how to do partnerships or how to kind of do pricing and did it all that kind of came along with it once I kind of started to just get going. That's probably a similar path to many developers who didn't go to school when they learned how to be a developer. They learned it afterwards. And so, yeah, I'm similar in that way.
0: Well, so I guess, what is it? You did a bunch of different jobs in college, didn't really study it, but then kind of got into sales and then moved your way more into the marketing realm. What is it that kind of has you excited and keeps you interested in working in go-to-market type industry? I think the
1: go-to-market function, to me, what's most exciting is I left a very large company to join a very small company. And that very small company has a lot of talented people in it. Replay is 15 people.
0: Only 15? Wow.
1: (laughs) Yes. And they have built something incredible. It's a very incredible technology leap that other browsers have actually endeavored to try to create as a as an offering as well. Chrome has tried this. Google has tried this. Microsoft has tried this. The company was born at Firefox. Really, the idea was born at Firefox. And that's where the co-founders are from. And so it's, got, it's this high intrinsic value, amazing technology. And it's a tiny company that is trying to figure out how it can be a real business. And the thing that gives me joy when I come to work is I want to help make it a real business. I want customers that want to pay us money, that tell their friends, and that where demand grows naturally, and that the company can provide economic security to the people that are employed in it. And it helps kind of software development in general become like more joyful place. I mean, I think the part of our mission as a company is to make debugging more fun. But for me, I get excited about helping make this a real business and giving economic security to to the people that are employed here.
0: Nice. That's awesome. Well, and that's a funny segue, right? Because one of the main things we want to do on this podcast is talk about what brings people joy. And so the kind of the topic that you and I had discussed heading into this that you'd like to talk about was collaborative debugging. So nice little segue there. So collaborative debugging, what is this, right? Give us a definition, I guess, will you? What does that look like? What does that feel like?
1: Sure. Collaboration is a multiplayer experience. And for something to be collaborative, it means that in order to get from point A to point B, you need each other, you know, another person or at least one other person to join in and be part of that collective activity in order to achieve a certain thing. And debugging, I think, is ordinarily been a single person's show where they debug, where they're getting sent like a bug or sent an issue via whether it's an automated test or whether it's you know a customer sees a bug and then tells QA the issue and then QA shares that with the developer. Wherever the issue, the bug kind of comes in, it's kind of given to the developer and then the developer has some set of information in order to be able to actually debug it. And today, I mean, before Replay and before things like time travel debuggers, there was so much wasted time and challenge in, one, trying to get all the necessary information to be able to reproduce it and to reproduce the issue, and two, to actually figure out what was going on in a very complicated and then fix it. What Replay's browser and replays app allows you to do is to basically record an issue just and share it just like you would lots of other collaborative software just like if i wanted to write a blog post i might put it in a google doc and then share it with you and then you might make some edits to it replay is kind of taking that same collaboration foundation of being built into the web where you can share it and people can have access to it via a url but what you're sharing is the entire session that the browser just made. Meaning it's not a video, it's actually a recording of the whole browser session where you see every line of code that's being executed in the course of that recording. And when a developer receives that from whoever, whether it's through your test that you have set up in CI where the test failed, or through a customer sharing a bargain issue and they get a replay of it, they can do so much more to actually figure out what what was going on. Because there can be some comments that the person who created the recording can share that says, here, I tried to add to cart, but it failed. What's going on? And then the developer can then go in and see all the network requests that were coming through at the time that that person clicked to try to add to cart. You can see every line of code that was being filled. You can see the elements panel. You can inspect components. Everything that's happening in the code's execution, you can see at that point in time and you can rewind and go backwards and forwards to see what failed and what actually led to the cause. Very long-winded way of describing it, but that's really, the collaboration comes in, the power of being able to record the replay once and then have it live forever and use comments and all sorts of other things that that we have built in that allow you to basically see what's going on, diagnose it, and then move on.
0: (laughs) So what I'm hearing is, you all are basically like wizards from Harry Potter. I mean, this sounds like magic. <laughs> so there's some interesting stuff going on there.
1: Yes, we employ wizards. One of my favorite people at Replay is a guy, Mark Erickson, who is a maintainer of Redux, and he joined um, and is one of our front-end engineers, and he is a wizard. He's written a lot of pieces on how to debug and is kind of a thought leader in the space. yeah.
0: That's so funny, because when you were talking about rewinding, fast forwarding, I was like, that's funny, that sounds a lot like the Redux tools. Like that was the first kind of debugging platform that like I ever saw where I could actually click a button and like rewind time and fast forward time. And so it makes complete sense that he would want to, regardless of if you all built that before he came, like, of course, that's something he would want to be a part of or would have fed into.
1: Yeah, I mean, the next generation of what the Redux DevTools is gonna live in Replay.
0: That's incredible. Now, I imagine there's like an SDK someone installs, like that's I'm sure pretty standard and normal.
1: We have basically two elements of Replay. You have the Replay browser, which you need to download, just like you download Chrome and any other browser. We have a fork of Chromium and we have a fork of Firefox. And then you launch that browser, you can record a bug, so you can like put the web page in the browser where the bug ha- is occurring, or, or, and then you record it. And then after that, you basically have a shareable URL link, which then you can share. And then if you're spending all your time in Chrome, then you can actually view that recording in another Chrome tab. And then by replaying that recording, that's the Replay app. And the Replay app is a web app. That basically has everything that like chrome dev tools has in it to basically debug and so you kind of the, the browser is used to record it and then the app the web app is used to debug that recording and you have kind of a viewer tab you have a dev tools tab and you can see everything that's going on that's really cool another thing that i wanted to share a little bit as you were talking about Kind of the go to market function and what am I, what brings me joy and what I'm excited about. There's been, you know, in the history of developer tools, there's a really interesting history of how projects for developers begin, how they get fanfare, how that, how fanfare gets built and how people find use of it. And there's a long road of kind of, Tools that never maybe saw the light of day, but had a lot of potential, and there's projects that kind of remained open source and, and saw a lot of demand, and then people could build lives, you know, earn a living out of being a developer that knew that particular project. Like you could be a React developer, and then there's lots which was born out of Facebook. But I think what's interesting about the go-to-market function in DevTools is because there's this kind of interesting history of how developers came to life and how they actually sustained themselves and became real businesses, that's actually a very hard leap to make. How do you turn something that is super valuable for developers and could actually make software development so much better for, you know, the millions of people who are trying to build and actually make it easier for more developers to become developers? How do you turn that into real business? And that's kind of something around the one... Thing I think about with respect to being a go-to-market leader at Replay is that that's a hard leap to, to make, and um, that's what I'm hired to, to try and do.
0: That sounds really exciting, right? Because so often developers use tools, and those tools disappear, or they get bought up by another company because they want to get those developers that built it, and oftentimes it ends up yep. going into disrepair. And so I think that's great for you to be able to be someone who is helping ensure that this tool is sustainable and profitable so that developers can actually rely on it rather than something that is just going to grow cobwebs in the corner.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's very, it's important to our mission. It's how we're trying to build a high integrity with the choices we make, what we open source, what we what we can make available, like what tools we want to build into it. There's a lot that goes into the decisions from a product Positioning and from a product development standpoint, that we hope will mean this thing is a long lasting thing that can live in all sorts of contexts and help developers everywhere. We want to be runtime agnostic. We want to be browser agnostic. We want to be framework agnostic so that as the sort of web development evolves, there's this kind of foundational way in which you can debug most very easily in all those different contexts. And yeah, it's very, you know, we're built by developers. The DNA and the lifeblood of the company is developers that really give a shit and that want um, to make tools that make people's lives easier and want to bring a lot of joy to that, to the software development process.
0: Is there free trials or a free tier? If someone heard all this and they're like, this is so awesome, I have to try this out. uh, How do they try it out? How do they get involved?
1: Yes. If you're an individual developer that's just trying to build your app and you can use this thing, then... Yeah, it's free for individuals. If you are a contributor to an open source project or a maintainer to an open source project, it's free for you to use as well. We want to support all open source projects that can use Replay in any context. So please reach out if you are trying to use it in that way. We have paid plans for teams and companies to use it. You can sign up and set up a team and that kicks off a 30-day trial, which we're happy to extend super early. so. We know things can take time to kind of get materialized within companies. And then we have a paid model depending on how many users and whatnot. And we're just coming out with our test suites offering, which is adding replay to CI so that you can debug failed tests or flaky tests.
0: That's awesome, especially for those tests that like, the code works, but the test doesn't. Why the heck is that happening? And Yeah. There you go. Now you got the magic for it.
1: Yeah, exactly. You can... There's a couple of test runners that we're starting with, Cypress and Playwright, and we'll add support for Puppeteer as well, and and then eventually the others. But exactly, you see that a test failed, and you'd have a replay, a recording of of that, where you can jump in and see what went wrong. Why did the test actually fail?
0: Nice. Well, that's music to my ears. Cypress is my favorite test runner, so I'm glad to hear that they, uh, they're they supported by it already.
1: <laughs> yes, we just are hiring our, our first product manager is came from Cyprus and we have uh, the, their first technical account manager that joined replay so
0: nice We know those folks and, and are big fans of Cyprus and what they're building well cool as we you know wrap up today you know as a community we love to support each other uh, so we'd love to hear you know is there anything that you've been involved in that you want to share I mean obviously replay check that out uh, if you all are interested but is there anything else that you'd like to throw out there to share with the community?
1: You know we love React and we love Next.js and we're very involved in those projects and and, and others. So I'd say like if you're, you know, we just we, Brian Vaughn is another uh, member of our team who um, helped build the React Dev tools and came from Facebook and and so you can find us in those in those projects and and we also have a, a Discord um, as well. We we build in public so. Come on in and we'd love to uh, chat with you. Well,
0: yeah, that sounds great. It's great to hear you have a Discord and uh, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Anyone else interested, feel free to jump in there. I will uh, have links to kind of everything we talked about in this episode uh, in the show notes. So if you're interested in that, check out the show notes for easy to click links. And uh, yeah, Ollie, I appreciate you joining the podcast. It's been so fun chatting.
1: It's so great chatting with you too. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us for episode 30, Make Debugging More Fun with Oliver D. Albuquerque. You can find out more about Ollie on his Twitter at ollie_d_alb. You can find links to everything we talked about in this episode, as well as a link to Ollie's Twitter in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, help others discover it as well. Just give us a shout out on your favorite social media platform. Maybe tag a friend or a coworker that you think might enjoy it. And don't forget to follow us wherever you hang out online. Or you can subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date. Thank you for listening and have a great day.